Welcome to day number 20 of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake, and I am super excited to continue on our reading through the one-year Bible plan together. We're going to continue our story about Joseph in the book of Genesis, and we'll kick off our reading in Genesis chapter 41, verse 17, reading through chapter 42. It says, So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River, and I saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, come up after them. I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it, for they were still as thin and as scrawny as before. And then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were blighted, shriveled, and withered by the east wind. And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, but no one could tell me what they mean. Let's pause here and remember the context of our story. Uh, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, but it says God was with him. Uh, and he quickly rose to a level of prominence in the home in which he was bought, the home of Potiphar. Uh, but Potiphar's wife uh, frames Joseph uh, because Joseph didn't want to sleep with her. So instead, she tells everybody that he raped her. Potiphar throws Joseph in prison. Uh, Joseph helps uh, interpret the dreams of the prison guard. Uh, he was correct. The prison guard did get a promotion. And Joseph said, when you get the promotion, please don't forget me. But the prison guard forgot Joseph uh, until a couple years later, when Pharaoh was having trouble interpreting his dreams, uh, this uh, old prison guard remembered, hey, there's a guy down there who can interpret dreams. So they bring up Joseph, and Joseph is now standing before the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is explaining to him his dream, and now Joseph is going to, through the power of God, try to interpret this dream for Pharaoh, which would have been a very scary thing. You didn't want to say the wrong thing to Pharaoh because Pharaoh would just cut off your head and not even think twice about it. And you certainly didn't want to be wrong. If you were wrong, it was not only a death sentence, but it was a sentence to be tortured. Verse 25. Joseph responded, Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterward there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God, and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years, having them gather all the food produced in the good years that they are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses, store it away, and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine Come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. 
So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Let me pause there. Let that may be said of you and I, uh, that we speak with such grace and peace and love and certainty in God's plan that when they look at us, they, they, they have to say, man, this, this man or this woman is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 39, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Wow. So you see, this story is absolutely amazing. Joseph finally has things turn in his direction. After years of being imprisoned, sold into slavery by his brothers, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, And yet over many years, Joseph is now the second highest ranking official in all of Egypt. Absolutely amazing. Verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zaveph Peninnah. He also gave him a wife, whose name was Athanas. She was the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. As predicted, for seven years the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain, like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. At the last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So, with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was so severe throughout the land of Egypt... And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. Chapter 42. When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, let's pause. You'll notice we haven't heard about Jacob and his sons in a while. This is Joseph's father and brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery. And they re-enter the story here, chapter 42, continuing on with where we left off in verse 1. Why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. 
otherwise we'll die. So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. But Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them, for fear some harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt, along with others, to buy food, for the famine was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Pause. If you remember, one of the things that got Joseph in hot water was he said he had a dream, and in that dream, what were his brothers doing? Yeah, they were bowing down to him. Verse 6, what are they doing? They're bowing down to their brother. Obviously, they don't even know it's their brother. They think their brother is dead. They certainly don't think their brother is the second highest ranking official in all of Egypt. And we can be sure that Joseph had uh, Egyptian clothing and Egyptian look so that his brothers wouldn't have even recognized him. Verse 7, Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. He said to them, You are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my lord, they exclaimed. Your servants have simply come to buy food. We're all brothers, members of the same family. We are honest men, sir. We are not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Sir, they said, there are actually 12 of us. We, your servants, are all brothers, sons of a man living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted, As I said, you are spies. This is how I will test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find out whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know you are spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. Moving on to our New Testament reading of the day, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 46. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into the bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Wow, this is a very um, humbling, sobering, scary, in a sense, parable that Jesus tells here. Basically, he's saying that there are people who act like Christians, look like Christians, are among Christians, uh, and yet on the day of judgment, they will be exposed for people who were really just after their own selfish desires. They were weeds amongst, amongst the wheat. And Jesus is saying here, just as a farmer wouldn't destroy the weeds because it might destroy the wheat at the same time, he allows and he waits to harvest to truly separate those who are true and those who are not true. Now, let me pause here. This shouldn't be frightful for those of us who place our trust in Christ because what is our hope? If you are a Christian, what is your hope? Your hope is not that you are good enough 
to be in the kingdom of heaven because you are not good enough. That's why Jesus came. He came to live the life you couldn't live. So you actually have to realize that you're not good enough to be good enough. You have to say, I need something greater than me to save me, which Jesus says, I am that greater one. And he dies paying the penalty you were supposed to pay, transferring or imputing to you the righteousness that he deserved so that you might actually get the share in the reward that he is the only one who rightfully deserves. And what is that? That is that you would rise again into the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, there will be no sin, no sickness, and no death. That is good news, my friends. It is the good news we live for. Now, there'll be others who place their trust not in that, not in what Jesus has done for them, but they place their trust in what they do, the good works, the religious works that they do. And Jesus says those people, they may look right, but at the end, on the day of judgment, they will be like weeds sorted out from the wheat. Very interesting. Verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into a fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of a great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And that concludes our New Testament reading of the day. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're willing to give up everything in your life. Sacrifice, bear your cross when you see how good Jesus is. The, the treasure of knowing Jesus and what he promises, his good news, his gospel, is so much greater than anything this world can offer. So we ought to be willing to sacrifice everything, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we've seen the great treasure that Jesus has for us. Moving on to our proverb reading of the day, Proverbs 4 Verses 1 through 6. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. 
Finally, we will be praying through Psalm 18, verses 1 through 15 today. And as always, I would encourage you to go back and pray through this yourself. It says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Yes, Lord, you are uh, our power, the power that saves us. Lord, we believe as New Testament followers of Jesus, the gospel power works in three ways. Number one, it's powerful over the penalty of sins. I do not have to live in shame, guilt, and condemnation because those sins have been paid for by you. It's powerful. Uh, Lord, you give me power right now. Your Holy Spirit indwells me. So you give me power for mission, power to change, power to become more like you. I'm not a slave to my sin, and I'm empowered to live a fearless life of mission and purpose. And ultimately, Lord, you have the power to save us from the presence of sin in the future. And that is our glorious hope that we look forward to. In the midst of a broken world where things are broken within us and around us, we have a hope as Christ followers that just as your power has been evident in our life in the other two realms, it will be powerful in the future, in which there will be no presence of sin. We will all rise again into a perfect creation with you as the one true king. Verse 3, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Yes, Lord, the same is true for me. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Thank you, Lord, that not even death can get in the way of what you can do. Lord, you defeat death. And through the gospel, through what Jesus has done, you've given me power to overcome death just as you have. Then the earth quaked and trembled. This is verse 7. The foundations of the mountain shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dark rain clouds. Thick clouds shielded the brightness around him, rained down hell and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded amid the hell and burning coals. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. Great bolts of lightning flashed and they were confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen and the foundation of the earth were laid bare. Wow, God, how powerful and majestic you are. And what a wonderful privilege it is to know that you are on our side, not because we deserve it. No, 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 no. We deserve to face that wrath. But because of what Jesus has done on our behalf, because we are in Christ, we can now say we are on your team, and you are on our team. You are fighting for us. Your strength is against our enemies. Lord, help us to live today in light of that truth, bold and fearless, feeling the power in which you have given us. In your name we pray, amen. That concludes day number 20 of our Reading Through the Bible Together journey. As always, please let me know what your thoughts are on today's passage. This is just no fun if it's just my thoughts. I truly believe that when we read the Bible together, it becomes a living book to us. It was meant for community, not isolation. And so let me know what your thoughts are on today's reading, and we will see you back here tomorrow for day number 21 of reading through the Bible together.